to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write this, John, the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, he says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you might clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and I discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and I will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne. And as also I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Last week as Preston uh, was wrapping things up for us, he said something that caught my attention. And uh, I haven't been able to shake it all week. He said something to the effect of, hey, this week as we dismiss, would you just make it, make an effort to spend a little time thinking about the things of God? If that's not a normal habit of what you do during the week, would you just take a little extra time to not leave this place and leave God behind, but to leave this place and take God with you and to spend some time engaged in thought, seeing what seeing what God may have to say to those who have given Him an ear. Uh, The story Preston told you at the beginning of service is basically that he left and he did that very thing. He he turned his ear to God and he said, God, what do you want to say? And although at at the start he thought thought God was going to say something about Cornerstone, he found out that God was going to say something into his heart. And it struck me that the key to our Christian life just may be the point that he made at the end of the service last week. It may be the key to uh, us as pastors shepherding this new church. I told Preston later later in the week on the phone that that is really what I want for our church, that God would do the rest. You see, Preston gave God his ear, and he didn't know what the Lord was going to say but God said what He needed to say to a man who was listening. And there was impact. There was change. There was life transformation. There was a difference in the heart of that man because he was willing to listen. Not that he was super disciplined. Not that he was uh, theologically studying all week. Not that he was doing anything extraordinary. He just listened to what God had to say. If I have a prayer for Cornerstone as we go into our second year, it's that the individuals who make up Cornerstone, who make up our church, would 
make it a habit to turn their ears to the God who has been so gracious to us. I remember back in college, I had a good buddy. He was uh, probably my best Christian friend. And I took him home uh, one time from Kentucky. I took him down to St. Augustine. And we went to my home church. And uh, we, I think it was a Wednesday night, because I remember after church there was some big meal, and, uh, which was pretty typical for our church. But we sat through the service, and it was a good service, good music. The choir just, just blew the doors off. More than anything, the Spirit was there. And I remember at the end of the service, you know, everybody typically gets up, and it's a, it's a pretty good uh, country church. Everybody just fellowships and hangs out for a good bit. And then we were going back to eat, and I remember looking back, and my buddy was still sitting in the pew. And his head was down, and it, it, it was just like he was frozen there. And I remember my mom, who was, who was there, she said, Hey, hey, what's, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? And I said, uh, nothing, that's, that's just how he is. And it struck me that moment, and, I, and I'll never forget his, his face, the intent that was on his face, that he was listening hard for whatever God wanted to say. Or maybe God had already spoken to him through the service, and he was just in awe. He was in awe to such a degree, or maybe he was being convicted to such a degree, or maybe God was challenging him to such a degree that he just sat there, and as everyone else got up and left, we went to eat. He just sat and he couldn't move. And I realized in that moment that God was impacting his life. Can I tell you, men and women that I have encountered who are spiritually strong in their faith tend to listen. And they tend to just sit and think on spiritual things. How about you? You know, when you leave here on Sunday mornings, is it, eh, it was a good service. Preston did his thing. Daryl did his thing. It was good. Put everything up. Go back home and get some lunch. Or are there times when the Spirit of God so pricks your heart that you just can't shake this part or that part. The Spirit of God just won't let you go. I mean, have you ever had the experience where you just, you just want to sit? Whether it's here, whether it's at a Christian conference, whether it's at a concert, whether it's in your room alone. John wrote Revelation. But the interesting thing about Revelation in the passage that we read was that uh, it struck me this week that this is really the first time that we have direct direct words from Christ post-resurrection. You follow what I'm saying here? After the resurrection, Jesus ascended and went to the right hand of the throne. And then the rest of your Bible, after the Gospels, the rest of your Bible is, is Paul talking to us. It's Timothy talking to us. It's, it's the apostles, the disciples, teaching us what they had learned when Jesus was on earth. But it struck me that when you get to Revelation 2, Christ speaks again, and He speaks to seven churches. And although He's been speaking via the disciples, I thought it. I thought there's something here that now God Himself, through John, but God speaks again. And he says, "Tell my church this," and you have in seven churches, Jesus saying, here's what I want the church to know. And if you know anything about 
first couple chapters of Revelation. He goes through these seven churches, real churches, by the way. And in each church, he says, hey, you know, I see the good that you're doing. But I have this one thing against you. And he corrects them. He points them in the right direction. By the seventh church, incidentally, that's the church we read about. By the seventh church, God has no more kind words, if you will. There is no more, I see your good deeds. For some reason, he jumps straight to their issue. I don't have time to unfold all this for you. But here's what I want to tell you. That for me as a pastor, and any pastor in leadership, there are some things that are extremely frustrating. One of those things in my life that is extremely frustrating, and this is partially due to my uh, shortcomings, okay? Let me just confess that. Is to see those who are in the church who name the name of Christ, who say, I'm a believer, and I have received Christ as my Savior. He has redeemed me. He has been my substitute. But Sunday after Sunday, they just, they just sit. And they leave this place uh, seemingly unaffected. That, in essence, is what God has to say to this church. Let's go back through it quickly here. The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God, or the origin of the creation of God, says this. And those names refer to Christ, and they're names that uh, are in direct opposition to the church he's about to speak to. He says, I am the yes, I am the confirmation of the promises of God. I am the Amen that that is correct. What God promised, I am the fulfillment. He is a faithful witness. He is the true witness. There is no deception in Him. He is faithful and true, and He is the origin of of its own. But they built this viaduct that came out of a hot spring pretty far away. By the time the water got all the way to Laodicea, the water was not hot anymore, and it didn't cool down enough. And so the water came in, and it it was tempered at best. It was lukewarm. And if you've ever tried to drink, you know, just lukewarm water, there's nothing, there's nothing great about it. If you've got hot water, you can make coffee. If you've got cold water, you can, you can drink ice water and it'll refresh you. And God says, hey, there's extremes here and I wish you were one or the other. I wish you weren't in the middle, okay? And that's my point today, guys. That as a church, but more importantly as individuals, we can't be in the middle. We can't just come and sit we're not going to get anywhere. God says to this church, I, w- I, wish you were, I wish you were cold at least. I wish you were in total opposition to the faith. I wish you were totally against me. Or I wish you were totally on fire. I wish you were boiling for me. But the guy in the middle, look at what he says he wants to do with the guy in the middle. 16, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will literally vomit you out of my mouth. It's like that tepid water. I just want to spit it out. It's nauseating to God when we sit on the fence and when we just become what we call mediocre. God would rather us rebel so He could chase us. Anytime I witness to folks, uh, sometimes I get guys who are totally in opposition to the gospel. And I can talk to those guys. And sometimes you get guys who find out they're Christians. 
And you can fellowship with those guys. A lot of times they get people who have no opinion of their own. They have, they have nothing. They're just, they're just vacillating. Well, you know, maybe he's God's son. Maybe he's not. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe you die and you go and maybe there's something. I don't know. You know, those guys are the most frustrating to witness to because there's nothing really to talk to them about. They just, they're ambiguous. And they don't care. And I wonder if that's how God feels towards us sometimes. Now, I won't have time to go long in this. There's a little bit of controversy in this passage. Some commentators believe that this passage is talking to the lukewarm as non-Christians. That they have not yet become hot, okay? If the hot represent the Christians and the cold represent the non-Christians, the lukewarm is the guy who's maybe attending church, but he's just not taken the step yet. He's not, he's not been born again. And down later in the passage, you get the famous passages where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock, and it's used for evangelism all the time. And there are well-respected commentators who say, Hey, we're talking to non-Christians. It makes sense because the last church, this is also prophetic in these seven churches, that the last church represents the time frame that we are in as the Gentiles are being called in, that God says, Hey, prophetically, this is what the church is going to look like in the end. Mockers will come with their mocking. In the end, you will have those who just want their ears to be tickled. The church will become, uh, will become weak in their faith because there is no true faith. Paul and Timothy say, don't be surprised with the suffering that you'll have to endure. Don't be surprised at the state of the church. Do you know that the church will never bring about a utopia on this earth? The church of Jesus Christ will not bring about the kingdom of God. Scripture declares that the church of Jesus Christ could be a Christian who has is, who is decided that he's not going to turn his ear to God and he's not going to listen for what God wants him to do. And it could be the guy who's never been born again. Let me show you the reason real quick as we wrap this up. The reason why this passage says we become lukewarm. And this might just be an indicator as to why if you believe you are lukewarm, you have become lukewarm. Look at what it says here in verse 17. These lukewarm people, this is what they say. They say, I'm rich and I've become wealthy and I have need of nothing. But God says, you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Paul said, I am a wretched man. Who could save me from this body of sin? He said, if the resurrection isn't true, 1 Corinthians, I am to be pitied more than anyone. What made them lukewarm? It wasn't because they were chasing after the things of God. What was it? It was because they were tied up in the things of this world. And they said, hey, I'm rich. I'm, not in, I'm in need of nothing. They were self-satisfying. Keep going. Verse 18. Here's the remedy God says. I advise you to buy from me. Don't depend on yourselves. Buy from me. Gold refined by fire so that you may become rich. And white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Let me tell you the cool thing about this passage. Laodicea was known for three things. One, they had an intricate banking system. Gold. God says, buy your gold from me, Laodicea. You think you've got it made financially? You need to buy your gold from me. Number two, they had a produce of wool that was second to none. It was 
pure black wool. And it was rare, and it made Laodicea a lot of money, and they were known for it. God says, come to me and I'll give you garments of white wool. I will give you moral cleansing. I will give you righteousness that is perfect. Don't depend on yourself. The third thing that they were uh, known for, they were known for this tablet that you could crush up, add water to, and you could make a paste or a salve, and you could rub it on your eyes. It was a tablet that everyone knew Laodicea had. They had a special medical school they were known for, and that you could go and you could get this tablet, you could grind it up, add water, and you could put it on your eyes and heal all kinds of eye, eye ailments. So what does God say? He says, you're blind. You want real salve for your eyes so that you could see things that are eternal and not just temporal? You come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Verse 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and I discipline. This is one of the reasons I believe this passage is also to a lukewarm Christian. The New Testament, over and over, says that God will reprove those who He loves it will cause you to move forward. You see the heart of God at the end of that verse? Because I love you and I will reprove you and discipline you, therefore be zealous. You know what that word literally is? Boil. Boil. Don't just be hot. Boil and repent and turn away from that which is holding you back. What will cause you to become lukewarm, church? self-sufficiency. I don't need God. I don't need His riches. I don't need His covering. And I don't need His healing. God says, you better turn to Me. Now, I love the next verse. Verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. What a picture of the grace of God. Either to the Christian who has become lukewarm or to the non-Christian who is pretending to be a believer who maybe attends church but has never been born again. The heart of God says to either one of those men, I'm waiting, I'm standing here, and I am persistently and I am patiently knocking and the desire and the heart of God is that you let me in so that I can sit down and have a meal with you, so that I can have supper with you and that I can fellowship with you. That's the heart of God. So here's our challenge, and I'll be done. Where is your heart? Does your heart allow you, and does your spirit allow you to come into places like this, to read your Bible, and to walk away? The New Testament says, as a man who looks briefly into the mirror and is not changed by what he sees, and he just walks away. Or do you look intently into your own heart? Do you look intently into God's Word? Are you intent on hearing God's voice and willing and ready for it to change you? You know, I pray often as I start uh, teaching up here. My prayer is this, that God, we commit to changing. Where our lives are different from what your Word says, we commit to changing. That we won't leave here the same. Can you leave here the same? 
if you can, then you might fall into the category of the church of Laodicea. And can I tell you that it's a dangerous place and it makes God nauseous. Can I tell you that as the leadership of this church, we're not going to let you stay in that place. We are going to continue to challenge you and challenge you and push you and push you. And we will run you off if it means getting your attention so that God can have your ear. Amen? We would not be doing our job if we let you come into this place and sit week after week after week and we don't challenge you to hear what God has to say to you as an individual. Where do you need to go, Christian? Where do you need to go? What is the next step for you? Is that on your mind throughout the week? Do you think on those spiritual things? Or might your life fall into the category of being lukewarm? And my life and my lack of attention to spiritual things has put God back outside. Can I tell you that if that's you, Christian, and you've put up a wall, you've closed the door on God, He will knock that thing down. He will not let you go. He will bang on your heart's door until you cannot stand the conviction anymore. Whom He loves, He will approve and He will discipline. Just like any good father would discipline their son to save them the pain over the long run. So that's it, guys. That's your simple challenge. Look within. Look within and discern the temperature of your spirit. Let's pray.